0: Good morning, morning. Mr. Rickles, glad
1: you're
2: here. Welcome to Men's Roundtable, my (laughs) name's Joe Barlow, glad you're here. Show of hands of those that are new, I'm not going to call on you, just if you're you're a first timer or haven't been here in a while. Okay, let me ask this question then, on the other hand, since we're starting a new series, how many guys in the room invited somebody to come this morning? All right, got a few guys. Guys, we got to do better than that. Got to do better than that. we worked through the series of uh, True Faced, Revealing the Mask. And Phil's launching in a new series. I don't know enough about it. He doesn't he share that information with us too well. But I gathered from it that it's if you have worked through revealing, removing the mask, he's going to challenge us over the next couple of months about being a lion. What do you do with that? What do you do with your true self? And once you found yourself, wherever you had to go to do that, what do you do from that point? Making disciples is part of that. And in doing that, invite somebody and then invite them again and then invite them again and then invite them again. Come on the men's round table. Ron, I'm glad you're here. We can start
3: now. <laughs> My experience shows it, it takes an
1: average of twenty-seven times to ask guy to come before he'll show up.
2: Twenty-seven invitations to first guy before he'll show up.
1: Yeah, that's
2: 27. <clears throat> twenty-seven. Yeah. Ron, I don't think you're far off on that. It does take a few times. Guys, Deer Camp is coming up this weekend. You've heard a lot about it over the last year. The the new building uh, is framed, has a roof on it, is coming along. There was a there was a request for a refrigerator earlier this week. I don't know if a refrigerator was found. Uh, Blair, do you know if something's been done to get a refrigerator to Deer Camp this weekend? That's not under my not under your not under <laughs> your scope of work. You're a general contractor, but you're not responsible for kitchen equipment. I, I, I love I love that. Good for you Blair
4: the,
2: the first deer camp of the season is this weekend. Josh Robles did ask if you if you' if you're an alumni and you have some time this afternoon or if you're going to deer camp could you go up a little bit early Friday Construction guys aren't the cleanest people. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of that and I know that and doing a weekly cleanup is something that you have to do. But uh, we do need to clean up a little bit around Deer Camp uh, to accommodate the new guys coming in and looking forward to that this weekend. I thought it was gonna be great. Let me open this word word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of gathering here, Lord. I thank you for the men here, the families that are represented. Lord, thank you for my brothers. Thank you for ceasefire, and thank you for the breakfast that's been provided. Lord, thank you for the work that you did on the cross reconciling us to God the Father. Mm. It's in, your we, in your name we pray, mm. amen. Amen.
4: <clears throat> Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Excited to uh, start a new series, um, and in a sense to start our uh, 14th year at uh, Men's Roundtable. In 14 years we've been doing this, and so grateful for C Spire and all those involved uh, in uh, allowing us to come in, Chick-fil-A. God has uh, met us here for 14 years, and uh, expect him to breathe on us uh, today and in the coming year. I want to mention uh, one thing before we get started. Uh, George Copeland is uh, soon to be a a friend of many of us, and uh, Ricky come up here and help me uh introduce george um we do uh, a monthly men's gathering of course uh, two-gun tactical guys not out in a week from tuesday which would be the 27th i think uh we'll have our september two-gun tactical event and uh george copeland um and i will kind of do an interview i'll be interviewing george i haven't met george yet but i've heard great things about him and um he was born in 1936 so he's been around uh, a while and um ricky tell us a little bit about uh, george okay
0: he is microphone um <clears throat> mr mr george is 86 years old he does not look like it but he joined the army when he was 17 years old served um 23 years he attained the rank of command chief sergeant. Uh, those of you who are not familiar with military infrastructure, that is, you have an officer over here in charge and to his left or right, his or her left or right, is the command chief. They're in charge of all the enlisted people. It's a very a difficult job because you may have, you know, anywhere from 200 to 1,000 enlisted people that you're responsible for. So uh, their phone rings a lot. Um, so, but he's just a very humble gentleman he has a story to tell but when I first asked him about it he didn't you know he said I I really don't want to talk about that and I said I get that and so uh, but he said you know my family's been telling me to talk more about it so he's just going to tell his history about it and about his life and I think it's going to be really really good he served in Vietnam and um and so and just while I'm here you know we've been doing this two-gun thing for a couple of years now Phil's been so gracious to I'm going to do that uh, once a month on Tuesday night. But, uh, uh, you know, Phil always wants feedback sheets. So I've been putting these feedback sheets out. And the one thing that comes back is people say, I- is anybody else going to come speak? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so we got. Cut the sound off, <laughs> Jeff. Cut, cut. He goes into that jump like he always does. Um, so, no, I mean, he's. It should be really good, and a week from this coming Tuesday, again, we'll have food. Please contact me or Phil so we'll have enough food, and um, I mean, come on, because, you know, Jeff Rickles might come, you know, so (laughs) uh, you need to be there. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you,
4: sir. So put that in your calendar, Tuesday night, um, September 27th this morning um as we begin um our series lion maker um i want to offer you a song um that um answers the question why uh in in many ways you know why questions uh can be really tricky um i don't often uh invite people to ask why questions because to me a why question is like hooking yourself up to the pony ride at the fair and a why question will put you in a circular motion uh a lot of times it just creates a lot of mud you're moving but you're not really going anywhere uh, why i don't know why but i do believe in what um what is happening now what is god doing what does god um want to do in me what does he want to do through me But, going back to the why question, if we are going to work with the why question, then I think this song is as good an answer as any. Because. Because he lives. Why is it like that? Because he lives. May you hear the voice of God, and may you open our hearts to what he has this morning. Because he lives. By Celtic worship. Because he lives. And you Stand up, gentlemen. Stand up. Because he
1: lives, All fear is gone.
4: Because he lives. Because he lives. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Turn the lights on. (laughs) Uh, The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. So gentlemen, I'm excited uh, to begin this series, Lion Maker, a call to personal growth, maturity, wholeness, and impact. Um, I was inspired, um, by this book, um, that I read this summer. Uh, I would, uh, recommend it to you. Uh, I love Mark Batterson, uh, gifted pastor in uh, Washington, DC. The name of the book is chase the lion. If your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. Um, and, um, as I've said to you before, um, my spiritual gift is plagiarism and personalization, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, my sweet wife, who loves me dearly, calls me a curator. So she's, she's more grace-oriented uh, than some. Um, I collect stuff and uh, share it. Um, so um, as we begin, um, I want you to look on your notes. And um, look at Colossians chapter one, verse 28 and 29. This has been um, the watchword passage of our ministry, business and professional outreach international. Um, since we um, began working with the Balches um, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Uh, you know, again, if I had to say, this is my life verse, this is my passion and uh, the apostle Paul expresses my heart and um, Um, as best I um, can express it better than I can express it myself. The message reads, that is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic, Christ. No more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. Wow. That's my heart, gentlemen. Apostle Paul expresses it well. The word there, if you want to underline there on your notes, maturity, is the word telos in Greek, and it means to be whole, to be complete, fully grown up, and all too often uh, my experience in working with men is that we're not about growing up or about, you know, getting financially secure uh, taking care of our uh, babies, um, uh, trying to negotiate this marriage thing, living with a woman. Wow. You know, how did that work out? You know, there I was minding my own business. And then there was this girl, you know, um, it, it's, it, it's a crazy maker, you know, but, you know, I, I love those kind of crazies cause, uh, um, it pays my mortgage as a counselor, but, truly what i want this series to be is an invitation for you to grow up it's about doggone time it's about time to grow up um that um, what we have used as kind of a metaphor for years is this idea of the lion be the lion there's two books for sale back there through this series. So through this series, I plan to sell a lot of books. I got watches, I got rings, you know, I got uh, books. And if you read it, I'll sign it. Um, but this idea of, of, of the lion is a, is a metaphor um, that's really a scriptural mandate to become more like Jesus. That's what we're talking about. So um, in Mark Batterson's book, um, when you get it and you read it, you'll find um, in the beginning of the book that he has a manifesto, um, and I love what he wrote here. Again, he's a much better communicator writer than I am, and so I took his lead, and I wrote my own personal lion maker declaration that I'd like to read for you. Again, this is adapted from Mark Batterson's book, uh, my personalization of um, this idea of being a lion maker. So it's on the back of your notes, follow with me as I read. The idea of being a lion, the idea of growing up, becoming all that God would have you be would sound something like this. Certainly for me, it sounds this way. I will quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Be the lion. I'll set God sized goals. I will pursue God given passions. I will go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Be the lion. I'll stop pointing out problems. I will become part of the solution. I will stop repeating the past. I will start creating my future. Be the lion. I'll face my fears. I will fight for my dreams. I will grab opportunity by the mane and not let go. Be the lion. I will live like today is the first day and last day of my life. I will burn sinful bridges. I will blaze new trails. I will pursue the next adventure. Be the lion. I will live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. I will not let what's wrong with me Keep me from whispering what's right with God. Be the lion. I will dare to fail. I will dare to be different. I will quit holding out. I will quit holding back. I will quit running away. I will use my gifts and brokenness to impact others. I will seek to be a brother and father to other men. I will live in community. I will fight. I will be the lion. I will seek to be like Jesus. Gentlemen, I challenge you in the coming weeks to embrace that. Maybe even sit down and take my words and make them your words. Personalize that. Um, Mark Batterson inspired me. Maybe I can inspire you a little bit this morning. I've had a, a... uh, just a heart for discipleship uh, since I came to Christ at the University of Tennessee. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a season in my life that I want to end well. I don't plan any anytime soon, <laughs> but I want to end well. And one of my greatest fears is that somehow, I would stumble and fail across the finish line. I don't want to do that. I want to end well. Don't you? Don't you? Um, and so what I've done um, in my own application of what I'm going to share with you is I've cut my counseling practice back. Uh, to four days a week i see clients or have been seeing clients uh, for five days a week um down in fairhope and here and as a as a way um to be more uh, lion maker focused i'm going to stop seeing clients five days a week and go to four and what you're going to hear about over the next few weeks is i'm going to start a monday night group Uh, called Be the Lion. It'll be a Zoom group, so anybody can jump into that. Um, It's limited to 25. Uh, So if you want to be in that group, it'll be from 5.30 to 6.45 uh, on Monday nights. And um, I hope you'll jump in. Um, And it won't be a lot of content in terms of me preparing and all that, but I will uh, give you a little piece to work with, and it'll be group work. Group work. And then on Tuesday morning, starting another group that'll just be limited to six, that'll be much more of a focused coaching group, six um, thirty to 745 on Tuesday morning for six guys, for six guys that sign up. And that'll be a, a year-long commitment, and um, I'll do my best to coach you up, um, use my experience, use my failures uh, and my gifts uh, to uh guide you through a process of being the lion. And that group will be called lion makers because it'll be focused on you giving out because what we're working with gentlemen through, through this series is this idea of be and go. And that's the biblical mandate. Be, be, Um, the lion, uh, uh, be a disciple. And then the idea is the mandate is to go. Make lions or make disciples. This series is about you and I being freshly committed to both be all that god intended you to be start with the inside and then the second part is to go and that's working on the outside the ripple effect of your life be and go so i want you to pick up your pen if you haven't already and let's begin with some questions journal this And again, as as I've said through the years, um, there's two books that you need to have. And certainly as we start this uh, new journey, um, I would hope that you've got your two books. The one is uh, the one that God wrote, and the other one is the one that you write. And I would hope that you would recommit uh, to wearing your Bible out, uh, reading it, uh, having it, and then beginning to write your own story. I don't believe that you can grow as God intended us to be complete, to be whole, uh, to be mature. If you're not putting pen to paper, there is nothing that you do that's important that you don't write it down. A to-do list uh, a business plan, um, whatever. And yet we approach our relationship with God as if it's some sort of random walk in the park. It's boring. It's like, no, get a pen and a book and start writing. So let's do some journaling. Let's do some writing. First question I want to ask you to respond to is what is your intentional and deliberate plan for growth? What are you doing to grow right now? What are you doing to grow right now? And I would even invite you as we begin this. I mean, I'm, um, I'm committed to the next 90 days. I, I believe that life is lived well in 90-day increments. 90 days. Where do you want to be? What would you like to be telling me on January the 1st? We start the new year and you look back over the last 90 days. What would you like to be telling me where you are? Intentional, deliberate growth. What's your plan? And again, as we go through this series, I'm going to help you develop a plan. So it may be a kind of a conviction right now. It's like, wow, I don't have a plan. I'm just trying to pay the bills and save my marriage. From going into two. Question number two Who is your who? And what I mean by that, who are you praying for, committed to help, focused on as someone you want to see grow and mature? Who are you imparting your life to? And certainly, I would hope those of us who are privileged to be fathers that I want my son and daughter. Uh To be in a better place, that they hear my voice of encouragement, not criticism, um, any idiot can criticize uh, I love it you know I love this uh in the in the third stanza there of the declaration, it says, I will stop pointing out problems duh it's like that that's easy, but as fathers uh gentlemen. Uh, do they hear our encouragement? I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're going to get through this. But even beyond our families, guys that you work with, guys that you're committed to, you will never grow. You will never grow until you start taking responsibility for another person. We're just too self-centered. you like, well, you know, I got, I got to clean up my act. Well, I, I get that. I get that. But dude, if I would have waited to clean up my act before I'd have started helping somebody, I'd still be in the closet sucking my thumb. No, it doesn't work that way. Third question. How do you need help in your own growth? How do you need help? Every one of us needs help. So that's part of identifying a problem that is not defined is a problem that goes unresolved. Where do you need help? Hello, my name is Phil and I am broken as a left-handed soup sandwich. And all the soup sandwiches said, welcome, Phil. Glad you're here at soup sandwich meeting. Broken, broken. I need help. We all do. But if we never acknowledge how and where we need help, it'll never get resolved. So with that being said, let's dig in. Be and go. As we start, I wanna show you the best clip in all of movie clipdom. This is it right here, gentlemen. 14 years of showing movie clips. I've shown you this before. But to me, this is the best clip because it defines the gospel in such a beautiful way. Victor Hugo wrote Les Miserables um, some 500 years ago. And it's just the story of the gospel. It's his version of Pilgrim's Progress through Jean Valjean. It's an incredible story. I had the privilege of seeing the, for the first time, when I first heard of Les Mis, I saw it on Broadway in New York. I didn't even know what it was. It's like, okay, you know, my friends, uh, were taking me to Les Mis, I, you know, Hillbilly from Tennessee. I didn't know what Les Mis was. I was on Broadway and it's like, oh my goodness, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. I want you to watch this. Every little part of this clip, and this is the 1994 version of Les Mis. There's been several versions with Liam Neeson as Jean Valjean. And, um, you know, he's been thrown in prison, um, unjustly. It's kind of like Shawshank Redemption is very much parallel in many ways to Les Mis and, um, you know, he's in prison unjustly and he stays in prison for so long that he's so beaten down that all he knows as his identity is a prisoner. I've been treated as a prisoner. I am a prisoner. So I'm going to act like a prisoner. And so he gets out and the bishop takes him into his home. And uh, he's still acting like a prisoner. He still thinks he's as a prisoner. So watch this scene. And then we'll work with this. But watch this. Every little part is poignant. Gentlemen, this is the gospel. Watch this. Sound up, sound up.
3: Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you.
4: Gentlemen, in in my mind, if we showed that in church every Sunday morning and closed in prayer, that would be it. That's the gospel. I want you to turn to your partner here for just a minute, and I want you to talk about that clip. What did you see in that clip that was so significant to you? Share that. Every part of that is so powerful. The eye contact. What the bishop says. Obviously, he symbolizes Jesus. Jean Valjean, you and me in our misery and sin. Turn to your partner and talk about that for a minute. What did you see? What did you see? (laughs)
1: I'm trying to find a big order
4: All right, gentlemen, let's uh, continue. Let's continue. Jesus told stories. The gospel is like a man named Jean Valjean um, who is in prison. He is enslaved. He sees himself as a prisoner. And somehow he winds up in the home of the bishop. And the bishop... Is beaten, slapped by Jean Valjean. Isn't that what you and I do? Isn't that what you and I do and have done? Guys, there's not a man in this room that doesn't have more than he deserves. And yet, some of you I know are going through the hardest time of your life. But it's like, wow, man, I am so blessed. And yet I'm going to take that which I have and act like I am responsible for what I have. Mm -hmm. General, what you have and what I have is a gift. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. (laughs) And not to minimize the hard time you may be going through. I mean, some of you truly are going through the hardest time of your life. But my goodness, you know, why? Why? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Wow. And so somehow Jean Valjean comes face to face with Jesus. Seen through the eyes of the bishop. And he looks at Jean Valjean and he says you've promised to become a new man you belong to god now guys you think about that for a minute just let that sink it marinate in that you and i belong to god and you mean you have the arrogance the stupid the foolishness is what proverbs calls it just foolish to think that what you have is because of you. No, the because is because he lives. And in spite of our stealing, robbing and destroying and being an instrument in the hands of the enemy, God, the hound of heaven pursues us and he grabs us. Go, be and go, be and go. Look over at Luke chapter two, verse 52, Luke 52, 52 there, there on your notes. And this is where I want to direct you toward the B. Again, it's the model of Jesus, be a disciple. And it says this in the message in Luke 2, 51 and 52. It says, so he went back to Nazareth with them, with his mom and dad. And lived obediently with them, and his mother held these things dearly deep within herself, and Jesus matured, and Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. Now in your study Bible, that that verse reads something like this, and Jesus increased, kept increasing, in wisdom, and in stature, and in favor with God and man. Now, gentlemen, I would suggest to you that what's being talked about there is that Jesus grew in four areas. First of all, he grew in stature, which means that he grew physically. Physical growth. What are you doing right now to grow physically. Now, most of us have gone through puberty. Most of us, you know, still waiting on some of you to get there. Um, but I mean, guys, we need to be taking care of ourselves. You know, I've, I've through this series, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of you. Cause I've been thinking this through a, a few weeks before we get here today. And I've made some fresh new commitments physically, to take better care of myself. Um, my body is the Bible says is, is, is a temple. It's where Jesus dwells. I don't want to treat it like a worn down shack. And some of us, if not all of us need to start getting in better shape what you eat, exercise, taking care of yourself physically. Where are you? Be a disciple. It means taking care of yourself physically. And then Jesus grew in wisdom. And I would suggest to you that that's emotional growth because wisdom, as we all know, is not just gaining knowledge. Some of the uh, men with the highest IQs I've ever met are fools. It's not about your IQ. It's about your EQ. And wisdom is is the combination of knowing some things and experiencing some things. You don't get wisdom by reading books. You get wisdom by engaging in what you know with life experiences. That's a wise man. And so emotional growth. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew emotionally. What are you doing about your emotional growth? Guys, that anger has got to stop. That holding bitterness and resentment toward others, as we talked about last week, is taken care of by forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? That's an emotional journey. And so once again, really addressing our emotional life. Um, I see it all the time. Men who are immature emotionally. You know, they're 50 and 55 and 60 and 65 and on up. And they're about 14 emotionally. It's sad. How do you grow emotionally? You grow emotionally by focusing on two things. Number one is self-control. You don't get to do anything you want to, so you got to self-control. And then you need feedback from others. How does a baby gain self-control How does a baby gain emotional control? They look into the eyes of mama and mama signals them that is, that is appropriate. That's not appropriate. You cannot grow emotionally in isolation. Emotional growth is a relational exercise, receiving feedback. And we're going to do a lot of that this weekend uh, at deer camp. Thirdly, a social or relational growth. And that is that I need to be on a team with three other guys. I need to be growing relationally. I I need to be practicing hospitality. I, I need other men in my life. I don't need to ask my sweet, dear wife to meet all of my relational needs. And that's where sex gets overvalued uh, in marriage, because it's like you know, we think if we have sex that we're all uh, buttoned up relationally. No, no, that's not the way it works. So you got to have a team, and then finally, this idea that Jesus grew spiritually. Spiritually, he grew in intimacy with God. Guys, what what does God? want from you and want from me? Think about that for a minute. What does God want from you and me? He does not I assure you want um, our compulsive energy working for him. I read, I read about a pastor who told, he had, he had five kids and he spent the world Uh, his, his lifetime giving to the world. And he told God, he said, God, if you'll take care of my children, I'll take care of the children in the world. Now, I don't think God was involved in that because his daughter has written a book and his daughter, that book is hard to read. She loved her daddy, but she never saw her daddy. Guys, that's not the way it works. What God wants from you and me is an intimate relationship, a broken heart, a contrite heart to love his ways, but to take care of our connection with him and those that he's given us before we start going. So this idea then of being, is where I, I want you to, to get focused. I anchor that in. As we start this series, um, I want you to be deliberate about daily, just, talk, uh, just interacting in your journal. Where am I physically? Where am I emotionally? Where am I relationally and socially? And where am I spiritually? And begin to develop a plan on that. 90 days. If we sat together on January 1st, 90 days from now, you could be in a different place personally. Your wife would love that, I guarantee. Your sons and your daughters would love that. And then you might be ready to go. Go make disciples. Look at Matthew um, chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Jesus captured my heart with this passage early on. I, I have been incredibly blessed uh, to have mentors in my life. Um, and the first mentors that I had in my life when I became a Christian were two guys named Dwight Hunt and Jim Gordon. They were Jesus. They were the bishop to me. And I was meeting a friend of mine um, in the student union, uh, Smokies was the name of the student union wonder where that comes from you know and uh i'm meeting my friend and i walk up to the table and um uh, a friend of mine had just led me to the lord i walk up to the table and my friend is sitting there with two strange guys and um i sit down and, and my friend said uh, uh phil these these guys are with some group called Campus Crusade for Christ, and they're talking about Jesus. And my friend was completely turned off, and it's just like, wow, really? I mean, think about that. Randomly, I'd never even heard of Campus Crusade. And I've often said, if these guys had have been Moonies with tambourines and an orange robe, dude, I'd be a Mooney today. Because I was so hungry, I would have followed you home if you gave me attention. I was hurting in a big way. And God, I mean, God brought Dwight Hunt into my life. And very quickly, he shared this verse with me. Listen to this. Jesus, verse 18, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you, to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice, in the practice, in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day, right up to the end of the age. Wow. Dwight Hunt shared that verse with me. Dude, my heart was captured. Like, wow, really? And then he exposed me to some guy named Howard Hendrix. Now, some of you have no idea who Howard Hendrix is. Jimmy, brother. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Jimmy Hendrix's brother. That's right. Howard Hendrix. I listened to his tapes. He was my teaching mentor. And he shared what I've got there on the page. That, that Those notes that you see there under Go Make Disciples is right off of a presentation that Howard Hendricks made years ago. Howard Hendricks was um, a professor at Dallas Seminary for years. Godly, godly man, trained hundreds of men. And this idea of engaging in a process of walking with another man not a program. Find faithful men. Find somebody that you want to see come to the Lord. Participate in a group, an individual work, not just an individual. Again, work with a team. Get them connected to others. Serve another, not have power over others. You know, it's not about building your kingdom. Um, it's, a, it's about serving, helping Number four, develop hearts, not minds. That's this idea of intimacy, not feeding them full of information. And then finally, trust God, not gifts. Walk by faith, walk by faith, walk by faith, walk by faith. Guys, I'm excited about being a lion maker. And the call to be a lion maker starts with being a lion, being a disciple and then beginning to go, it's going to be fun. You want to walk with me? Let's do it. Father, I thank you so much for our time this morning. I thank you for my brothers. Thank you for the time you've given us. Help us to understand uh, the plan that you have for us, uh, plans for our future to give us hope. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.